Money Books with Aaron and Polly, Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And if the while. associate who must not be named is still lost in time. Much like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> well, I, oh, he's really not lost. He's on a crack bender. <laughs> Through time. And I need to see that have, movie. We'd have four blue man and put him in the time warp. Are Rip Hunter and Booster Gold looking for him? No. No. <laughs> Nor are we. <laughs> <laughs> we send Bill and Ted in a phone booth. <laughs> I don't like his odds. Yeah, good point. So I was in uh, Taos all last week for vacation, and when I'm on vacation, I always look to see you know what the what the local game stores and comic book stores look like. Um, it has got to suck to be a geek in Taos because there was not a uh, a gaming store or a comic book store anywhere in the area. In fact, I've got that you know find a, a, a comic book shop locator on my iPhone app. And I did the, the, you know, find me a comic shop. And so it locates me on the GPS and then it does the search for the comic shop. And the app told me that the closest comic book shop was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> does, wow. does that app work in Southeast Asia? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it does. Because you said Taos, and I'm like, where the hell is Taos? Is that like, oh, I was wondering that, too. I had no clue. I thought he was in Southeast Asia. No, no, no. I told my wife, like, Aaron, Richie Rich McRich, he's like, I'm going to Southeast Asia for a week. (laughs) I'm going to go hang out at the combined massage parlor slash comic shop. (laughs) I'm going to go to the illegal gambling dens. I find some opium. I'd like my copy of Dark Wolverine with a happy ending. (laughs) With a volcano finish. Uh, now I'm thinking about what comic book stores in Amsterdam would be like. Like no shit, no shit, Aaron. They don't have a fucking comic book store in Southeast. <laughs> <laughs> the closest one, the closest one is in Ho Chi Minh, or northern New Mexico. Well, there you go. <laughs> and they apparently don't have geography where Tim's from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but the same thing is true of uh, Nags Head, North Carolina. I um I went to the movie theater down there, and there's a sign. For a comic shop, I guess it was Wolverine was in the theaters or some something like that, and it's like enjoyed X Men Origins Wolverine, which you know no one did, um, but come check out more Wolverine stories at you know huh. Kickadonkey Comics in Podunk, North Carolina. So now like, that oh. is the name for a comic book store. I know you're making that up off the spot, but I would totally <laughs> go to a comic book store named Kickadonkey. <laughs> Well, and so I popped it in the GPS. I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to be here two days, so I might as well hit the comic shop because there's nothing to do in North Carolina in Nags Head other than eat and sit on the beach. Um, so I, I put it in the thing, and it's 45 minutes away, the closest comic shop to Nags Head. Wow. Yeah, who the hell would do that? I wouldn't do that. See, I've had so better luck this- traveling. I mean, Chicago has some great comic book stores. Kansas City has some good comic book stores. I don't think I've ever traveled anywhere that I wasn't able to find one fairly close, except maybe Orlando. It it surprised me that that they didn't have anything like that. It also surprised me that they didn't have a cigar shop. In fact, I I actually wound up because I couldn't find one online, and so I went to the uh, visitor center. I'm like, hey, where's your cigar shop? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, we don't have one. But there is a diner down the street. They sell cigars, like the diner. Uh huh. <laughs> well, that's because everybody's too busy when the rice fields are and fishing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cigar shop. Nobody's got time for that when they're doing their laundry bum of the river. 
No, now I got this picture of a of a comic book store where they've got like you know one of those punching bags where you see how hard you can punch it. Uh-huh. Only it's underneath a bull's legs, and you kick it, and then you get a discount depending on how hard you kick the bull. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I don't have that same vision. Yeah, and where did this vision come from, Tim? The kick the bull comics or whatever he did. Oh, kick a donkey. Kick a donkey. <laughs> you know, Tim is so tuned in to what we're talking about. <laughs> kick a donkey, kick a bull, same difference. Yeah, kick, a, kick a donkey, kick a bull between the legs. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be cool? It'd be like, oh, look at that. You kicked it for 5% off. Paul kicks that he he owes three percent. You have to pay above the price. Yeah, usually you have to kick the shop owner for five percent off. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can just drop some shit from your pull list. There you go. (laughs) Now, uh, did y'all read about Atlas Comics coming back? I did. Okay, so I did as well. I read the I read the article. That was in the uh, the little insert they give you with your comics every week, and I, I was amused by it because you know Goodman, who used to own Marvel, when he left Marvel, he took the rights to these Atlas characters. And in the article, it says, "Well, you know, people were just calling and making inquiries, and we had a lot of fan support wanting to know when we were going to relaunch these characters." I have been collecting and reading comic books. For 35 years, and uh, I have to say, I have never heard of Atlas Comics or any of their characters, such as the Grim Ghost or the Phoenix. I want to know who these fans are. Well, not only that, if you uh, uh, you know Google Atlas Comics, if you will, I'm, I'm not trying to badmouth the relaunch. Maybe maybe they'll be great. I don't know, but. The original Atlas comics, the longest comic lasted like five issues. Uh huh. Yeah, and you know that because you Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't just like note it off the top of my head. <laughs> well, Atlas comics, the longest one was no, I, no. Yeah, Most but yet they've got something like yet they've got something like two hundred characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had twenty eight titles in their short run. I mean, maybe that's why they went out of business. They tried to publish too much when they didn't have any money. Yeah, I, I read the article, and then I shrugged. Meh. Yeah. It seems like they're trying to generate their hype. If anyone's going to know about it, it's going to be guys my age who've been reading for a long time. And I didn't know about it. I asked my comic book shop guy, you know, here's a guy who, who knows the industry. Hey, did you know about Atlas Comics before the news came out? Never heard of them, he said. And that just It just kills me how much they're lying in their press release. There are no fans out there clamoring for this. There may be fan, and that fan, I suspect, has the last name Goodman. You know? <laughs> you know? I love the story behind this company, all of the backroom dealings. The guy that owned Marvel, uh, Martin Goodman, uh-huh. sold it to another company uh, under the promise that his son, Chip, would stay as editorial director. Then Stan Lee, who just happened to be Martin's nephew by marriage, fires Chip right away. So Martin and Chip decide – and really, what kind of name is Chip anyway? Martin <laughs> and Chip decide, we're going to get Marvel, this company that we used to own that's now so big. We're going to start our own comic book company. And no one cared. Yeah. Well, and to a certain extent, there's already some shady shit going on with Atlas Comics. 
How so? The editor in chief, JMD Mateus. Yeah. He quit. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Before the launch even started, he quit. Oh wow. That's always a good sign. Yeah. Do, do we know why? No. And huh. it seems you know his press release was you know or his his notes were were very nice you know a couple of very enjoyable years as editor in chief of Arden Entertainment. Right. Now keep in mind, um, <clears throat> I read some of the Arden books. I read Casper. Uh, or read Casper, and I read Flash Gordon. You know, and those books were fraught with delays. Yeah. Flash Gordon was <clears throat> fraught with delays, and half most of it was recycled art. Yeah. Um, you know, digital art where the artist just recycled the same poses and faces over and over and over. Yep. Um, you know, so I, don't get me wrong. It's not that I didn't enjoy those books, but we're talking about two books, you know, that, you know, had tons of technical issues to begin with and now this company's taking on atlas and you know this is not you know this isn't going to compete with dc and marvel well and it it reminds me a lot of mark millar in that i think that this is an effort to license some properties you know let's let's print a few comments in fact they said so yeah yeah i I mean i think i think that it's just a, a move to get some of that big media money out there when everyone's looking to produce some kind of superhero thing this I, I, it just kills me how manufactured it is. You know, there is nobody clamoring for these characters other than the people who are wanting to sell them to you. And Wayne, <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> wow, I'm not reading any of this crap when it comes out. Well, and what if what, it comes out? What is so yeah. stupid about it is that you could go and make your own superhero. And have better visibility than you've got from these things. Because there's, there's nobody in the world who's going, God, I cannot wait for Grim Ghost to come out. This is a perfect oh, you know opportunity to tell everybody that uh, we're launching issue one of The Paul coming out in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're going to get all our artists from Indonesia, from DeviantArt, uh-huh. from Laos. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's somebody in a basement somewhere, probably one of our listeners, that's just wrapped up and, you know, reading his old Atlas comics. Be like, man, I can't believe they trashed my comics. I can't believe they trashed them. These are so wonderful. And he was their only reader. Yeah. Well, surely it wouldn't be one of our listeners because our listeners are awesome. Okay, we see who shall not be named. Yeah. Well, I just I, I just think this whole Atlas thing's a joke, and we'll be real curious to see if any of those books go beyond five issues. As will I. But you know what? Now they won't talk to us. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you what made else? it to five issues? But uh, New Avengers five made it to five issues. Yeah. Speaking of people who won't talk to us, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. He won't respond to my emails anymore. Fucker. I never liked that bald <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Maybe we can get the inker Wade Von Grimebadger. Hey, he is part of the creative team. He is. <laughs> <laughs> New Avengers number five rocked. That's all I'm saying. It was, this, this was an excellent issue. Wait, I thought you said that was all you were saying. And then you continued to say things. <laughs> you got our hopes up, Aaron. I'm just saying. You know what made it even... Even more better. More better? More better. Yeah, it's a real word. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they got rid of one of the lame people on this team. Hawkeye? 
Yeah, Hawkeye was under a cab for three issues. Like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> like, if only he could have took his crappy girlfriend with him. I'm like, oh, that'd been great. Oh, see, I like Mockingbird. All right. Well, now that she's now that she's got a decent costume, I like Mockingbird. Because her 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 other costume kind of sucked balls. Just saying. She got Asgard dropped on her. She should be dead. I'm just gonna put that out there again. You know, but yeah, Hawkeye issue confused me. By the way, I thought it, it, the the how out of sequence it was. Yeah, he's like. Hey, love you. Fuck you guys. I'm on the other yeah. Avengers team anyway. And then he just disappears. You don't see him walking away. He just disappears. Well, and and I love how Spider-Man responds to that. Well, I'm supposed to be on that team too. How come I didn't get an Avengers priority call? <laughs> that was great. But of course, Spider-Man's got some of the best action in, in this book. He always has, though. Yeah. I mean, him figuring out the whole Eye of Agamotto thing. And, you know, the other guy's going, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. I I will say the art in this issue seemed a little more rushed than it was in previous issues. Am I I the only one who felt that way? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I that's all I have to say. I thought the art was great, and I feel comfortable speaking on behalf of uh, of Tim. (laughs) Tim? I I don't – I don't have – Sure. <laughs> I really think it. the artist is part of the creative team. Uh, whatever his name is. Stuart Amonin. Stuart Amonin. I know. But, you know, again, you know, you're, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm reading the book, and I forget that there's the damn narrative history of the uh, Avengers at the back of the book. Because I'm thinking, oh, man, I've still got a whole lot more. Something really cool is going to happen before the fuck. You know, and you come to the big wall of text. Just... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, come on, Marvel, follow suit with DC, drop it to two ninety nine, and get rid of this oral history nonsense that no yeah. one reads. Yeah, you were here first. Paul doesn't like oral. Nope, <laughs> I don't like oral history. Yeah, There's a difference, apparently. Yeah, but boy, I, I think this book is awfully pretty. I really enjoy the humor in the book. And again, we've said it before: best Doctor Strange story in a long, long time. And I'm actually happier as an Avengers book I actually get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's and enjoyable. it was interesting to see Rasputin in the book because he's an old-time uh, Doctor Strange villain, and I haven't seen Rasputin in a Marvel comic in forever, so uh, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. You mean the dude in the purple pajamas? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, who is soliciting to, you know, hey, I need this Eye of Agamotto thing. But uh, loved it. Loved it. What I think is interesting is um, at the end of the issue, you get a, a sneak, uh, cover for next issues. And it says, one of these Avengers will die. And it shows Luke Cage, Miss Marvel, Doctor Strange, Wolverine, Doctor Voodoo, and Mockingbird. All right. Which one of these characters doesn't have their own book? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are three of them. Let's see. Luke Cage has Thunderbolts. Uh-huh. Wolverine has you know, all his billion books. Mockingbird has Hawkeye and Mockingbird. I Don't crush my hope, Paul. I, I think the one that's going to die is Doctor Voodoo. I think they're saying, you know what, it didn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, we and they ha- they they have him kind of darked out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, Aaron, I, I think we need to have a talk that there are people <laughs> of different race. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand. <laughs> Couldn't it just be Wolverine since he's already dead in his own book? 
that you think it's going to be a cop out? They could just I, crush Mockingbird and make me happy. But she's got such an awesome costume now. Then wash it and give it to somebody else. <laughs> she's got her own book that no one else reads. <laughs> no one else reads. Yeah, I, I don't think I know anyone who reads Hawkeye and Mockingbird. I think we'd have to have an intervention if we did. <laughs> you, put it down. No. <laughs> My comic shop's going to start sticking it in my box to get it off the shelf. <laughs> it was on your comicsology, Paul. I pulled it for you. You're taking food out of my kid's mouth. Continuing our Avengers update, we've got Avengers Academy number five, another book that not many people are reading. But Aaron and Wayne continue to for some reason. You know, I, this is a great book, and what makes it even greater is pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've really kicked up the pedophilia quotient in this book, and uh, that's just great. And Donna Rice makes an appearance. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know Donna Rice, you know, learn your history. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's hysterical. The uh, What's the character's name? Uh, Stryker? Is that his name, Wayne? Uh, it's one... The... God, I have a hard time with their character's name. I do, too. I do, too. I think it's Stryker, though. That sounds right. Do you know why? Because they suck. That's you why. Suck. No, no, no. You suck, Paul. Do you think when people read Superman number one, they said, man, I really love that comic book, but I don't remember that guy's name. No, because because it was a good comic. And because there was only one character. Well, it, Teen Titans number one. How about that? They were established characters. <laughs> yeah, Paul. <laughs> Whatever. And this book still outsells your beloved Thunderbolts. Just saying. Which is that? That's depressing to me. <laughs> so that's why I like throwing it in your face. Anyway, the electroshock kid, his his mother is fashioned on uh, Donna Rice from the Gary Hart sex scandal from you know back in the eighties, um, which cracked me up. I'm like, well, this seems very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that you know uh, he was uh, being sexually abused by her boyfriend. And, you know, when he tries to put the moves on him, he electroshocks him for the first time. Anyway, and how is he not a mutant? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not sure I understand that, but uh, there was an illusion, you know, that uh, his mom knows why he's all electroshocky. So, and I think we'll find out. It's, I'm sure it's who his dad is. Yeah. And yeah. There'll be something. It won't be a mutant. It'll be someone who got their powers in another way. But, yeah, I'm still really enjoying this. this is the only Avengers book I'm reading right now. The characters are just so well developed, and mm-hmm. you know, I just every every time it comes out, it's one of the first books I read, and I'm looking forward to it to see what they're going to do next. And I I enjoyed particularly having this conniving factor that his mom is positioning him to be famous, and that you know she's responsible for this team going public. Not anyone, you know, any of the existing Avengers or any of that. No, it's this kid's mom that does it. Yeah, I I. I... I think the book is is well written. The book is well drawn. It's entertaining. I, I like the dynamic between the different characters. I like that you've got characters who just seem gen, uh, genuinely good, like Metal M E T T L E, um, and then you've got you know the character like Stryker who who seems you know more prone to the darkness. Um, and of course, that's the whole setup on this book is that um, these were were. Uh, people that Norman Osborn had manipulated to be very dark and you know Hank Pym is trying to remediate them 
uh, and that he doesn't know that they know that that's what he's doing. So, uh, and if you look, every one of the teachers has something like that in their history. Right. Every one of them is someone who's trying to redeem themselves or tried to redeem themselves. Yeah. It kind of feels like a Thunderbolts book should, in my opinion, which is also sad for Paul. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a teen Thunderbolts book, isn't it? It's like Thunderbolts before you're a bad guy. Then they should just call it Teen Thunderbolts. That way the sales <laughs> will drop like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> now, there is one creepy panel in this book, and strangely enough, it's not the pedophilia. <laughs> um it's, Nothing creepy about that, apparently. It's when Vale walks in on Justice, and it just is – there is this creepy look uh, where Justice is making out with uh, Ultra Girl. And, you know, it, it just seems – it just seems wrong. You know, it's it's the way he's holding her head and, and, and looking back at it. It looks like he's doing something he ought not to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, and the way they have her head twisted there, just it doesn't look like this would be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it was posed for the drawing, but well, and it's, maybe it's the way his eyes are cut. He looks like he's up to no good. You know, it doesn't look like hey, somebody interrupted me while I'm macking on my girlfriend. It's you know, hey, I'm gonna have to kill you for seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just cut himself. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I sure am enjoying Avengers Academy. I sure am. I, I'm, Wayne, thank you for getting me hooked on this one. Didn't work with me, I have me, good Wayne. advice sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Not, not often. Sometimes. Well, somebody's reading Uncanny X-Force. I think it might be Paul and Wayne, and I don't know why they're reading it. So tell me. Tell me why you're reading Uncanny X-Force. I can tell you exactly why I'm reading it. I've always liked the, uh, the Archangel and Psylocke relationship. And when I saw they were both on the title, that's the sole reason I picked up X-Force number one, was because of those two characters. And they do the nasty, too. They do. Well, Paul, you don't why see are you them. reading? <laughs> well, because I, I think the team sounds interesting. You've got Archangel, Psylocke, Wolverine, Agent Zero, and Deadpool. And um, honestly, you know, you, you got art uh, writing by Rick Remender, art by Jerome Pena, who did the the first arc on Moon Knight. And uh, I'm going to continue reading it because this book kicks ass. I, Except I for the stupid book. thing they're flying in. I don't know what that's supposed to be, but it looks retarded. You know who to blame for that? Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> Agent Zero was one of his creations. So, you know, uh, anything stupid related to him is probably Grant Morrison. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a giant egg type thing. I'm not sh- sure I quite understand it, but but the book, I thought the book was great. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, excited was, about it. I, I'm a huge Apocalypse fan, and that's the villain for at least the first arc. I'm on board. Hey, Aaron. Aaron. Sir. Aaron. Yes, yes. Aaron. Yes. <laughs> How do you kill a circus? How do you kill a circus? Yep. I don't know. You go for the juggler. <laughs> is this what you learned from Uncanny X-Force, Paul? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Deadpool makes a bunch of jokes like that in the book, and I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't think it was funny. Um, it was as funny as I did. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. No, but this book is great. Basically, um, at least in this first arc, the, this team has been gathered in order to 
take out Apocalypse. They, they, they hear rumblings that Apocalypse is coming back, and they want to kill him. And um, spoiler warnings on, uh, the big revelation is that Apocalypse is back, but as a child, kind of like an Antichrist-type kid. You know, um, I thought I'd be – I thought I'd have a problem with Deadpool on the team because looking at it, I kept thinking, why would he be a part of this team? Why would he be going along? But it makes perfect sense. They paid him. Why else would Deadpool exactly. be there? Exactly. You know, you've got Warren Worthington on your team, Warren Worthington III um, on your team. He's He's got some bank. So, you know, that's why Deadpool's on the team. But it works, you know. As odd a team as it was when they when they first got announced in that Second Coming number two book, um, it works. And you know, Rick Remender does a damn good job on the writing. The art is the art is pretty damn awesome. I thought. Just, really, it scared me away. I'm like, I don't like the way Archangel's wings look at all. I'm not dealing with this book. On the cover or the inside the book? Inside the book. Really? No, I thought the art was fantastic, and I've always been. And, and you know, when we talked about Moon Knight, um, the first arc of Moon Knight, you know, we we praised the art as well. And uh, I just, I love this guy's art, and I like the I like the fact that the team has their gray and black costumes to separate them from what they're normally in. So even Deadpool, you know, he's not in his red costume; he's in a gray and black costume. Just uh, a very striking book. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this book more than I enjoyed the le- the previous incarnation of X-Force. I can say the same because I didn't read it before. Well, there you go. But you know what? It doesn't hold a candle to Wolverine number two. Um, you know, I, I had no intentions of buying this Wolverine series. Um, it's written by Jason Aaron with art by Renardo, Ren- Renato Guides. I'm probably pronouncing that all wrong. And this is where you're getting the Wolverine goes to hell storyline. That's kind of branching out into all of the Wolverine family character books like dark Wolverine and X 23 and all of those. Um, It seems wrong to have a Wolverine family, by the way. It it does. Doesn't it (laughs) It really does. (laughs) It's the way to go now. Yeah, that exactly. You know, you, you you get a, a kid or a couple of kids and, uh, you know, you're going to be talking about Hulk in a little bit, so you know how it is. <laughs> Superheroes don't pull out. Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> they ride bareback. They see it through to the end. Are you and saying then, they have knowledge of other characters, Paul? I do. I am saying that, and then they leave as soon as the, the other characters say, "I'm pregnant." That's right. Peace. I'm a loner. <laughs> well, of course, my work here is done. That's right. <laughs> I'll see him when he's 16 um, and evil. But uh, Wolverine number two is, like I said, a continuation of the Wolverine goes to hell storyline. Wolverine is in hell being tortured by the devil while his body is being possessed by a demon and going and killing characters from his past. And um, not much to say about this book. I really don't like the art on the book. I'm enjoying the story and, um, it seems like Jason Aaron, who also wrote um, a run on Ghost Rider that I really enjoyed, it um, it seems like he's kind of tying them together because Ghost Rider and uh, actually both Ghost Riders, Danny Ketch and Johnny Blaze, make an appearance in this book, and they seem like they're going to be important to the storyline. So I like how he's tying those together. And in fact, that's what drew me into this book is that tie-in. But the most important thing I want to get across to you, the reason you should buy this book – Wolverine and Puck 
in hell versus the devil. Seriously. Seriously. I I have to say I'm tempted. I do like Puck. It doesn't happen in this issue. Puck pops up on the last page saying, it's time to go to work. And uh, he's in hell, and he's going to to help Wolverine. So I I, I, I would imagine next issue will be Wolverine and Puck versus the devil in hell. This proves my theory that midgets go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And apparently so will Tim. (laughs) Well, but we all knew that. Yeah. He is the bad guy. He is. Yep. So apparently this book takes place before he becomes Friar Puck in the pages of Green. Oh, Arrow. there we go. <laughs> nice editors, don't Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's continuity on this show. But uh, I enjoyed but it. Not and, uh, but not in Shadowland. But not in Shadowland. Well, no, there's some, I guess. No. No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious to hear what Tim and Wayne had to say about Shadowland number four before I give my thoughts. Fair enough. Okay, so the last issue came out, I made a comment that, you know, I was really into the series. I thought it was going really well. And part of that is because I'm not reading any of the tie-ins. That I don't think the tie-ins are adding anything, but I think they're prolonging the story and stretching it out and making it seem like the regular issues, nothing was happening for the people that were reading them. This issue felt like I was missing things. So I think between three and four, some of these tie-ins actually seem to have mattered because I... The story didn't seem to flow from issue three on. I mean, it's like there are huge chunks missing here versus last time I didn't miss anything getting a an add on. You know, I didn't I didn't really feel that way. And I I know I kinda I, I get the impression that I think Wayne's talking about Daredevil being back and we don't know exactly where Undead Bullseye is or whatever. That was the one part where I th- I thought maybe that happened in a different book, but this seems like very much like a continuation of the you know the last fight, and I didn't I know I don't think it was a bad book. It kind of is building up this this daredevil slash the beast kind of character for the finale. I I didn't I didn't dislike the book, but I didn't think there was a lot of story beats other than a bunch of whooping ass. I think, I think we're missing, missing a lot of what the beast is by not getting the tie-ins. Well, you get a little bit more of that in the Daredevil Monthly. My confusion came in with how, when did the heroes – maybe I just don't uh, – maybe I'm just not grasping the story enough. But when did they team up with Elektra? Did I miss that? Was that in the last issue where the heroes and Elektra were teaming up? Nope. She just showed up at the end of the last issue, I th- if I remember. They definitely didn't. She hasn't had any conversations with them on page unless it was a tie-in. That also was where I thought I had missed something. Yeah, but she had a conversation with Master Izo, and Master Izo is with those guys. So it's entirely possible they never had a conversation with Electra. That's a good point. That is a good point. uh, Apparently the sales on the book aren't high enough because they threw Wolverine into this issue, too. Yeah. (laughs) I actually liked how Electra looked at him and said, what are you doing here? It would have been the only thing funnier would have been if he would have replied back, "Need to boost sales, bub." <laughs> Besides, as no, we already said, said we'll- Matt Murdock was the only one that ever treated me like I wasn't an animal, so I got to put him down <laughs> like an animal. That'd have been pretty cool too. Well, like we said, Wolverine's uh, his other books are the entire Marvel catalog, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course yeah. he's going to be here. So, yeah, Paul, I, what were your thoughts on the book? You know, I, I can honestly say I didn't care for this issue. It seemed like, okay, issue one, you know, Daredevil kills Bullseye. Issue two, the heroes say, you know what? Fucking Matt Murdock is crazy again. Let's go talk to him. Issue three, fighting Matt Murdock, run away with our tail between our legs. Issue four, let's turn right back around and go back and do the same shit. I mean, and don't forget, let's, you know, bring Bullseye back. <laughs> well, Bullseye actually doesn't come back. They interrupt the ceremony. Ah, okay. It's literally like, you know, like when my cat does something wrong. And I say no, and I yell at him, and he runs away, and he comes <laughs> right back and does the same shit. That's what they do. I mean, literally, from one issue to the next, they they get defeated, and then they go right back without any type of plan. The same, you know, the same plan they had the first time. Let's go talk to him and then kick his ass. The only difference is they bring Wolverine, who, in 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 compassion, you know, you think Wolverine's soul has been possessed by the devil or the, by a demon from hell. And in his compassion of a possessed Matt Murdock, he stabs him in the chest with with all six blades. Well, you know, I have the same theory I do. If they're, if they're possessed, they're down. <laughs> <laughs> I had big issues there because nobody tried to stop him. You've got two of Murdock's best friends there, and they don't do a thing to try to stop Wolverine from killing him. You would think that, you know, Luke Cage or Iron Fist would jump in and do something and try to prevent that. No, Luke Cage but, is like, that you know. dude kicked our butt. Just forget him. Well, and reading that. between the lines, it seems to be the plan. Punisher wanted to just shoot him, but Wolverine's like, no, let me stab him. So they yeah. go with both, and none of his friends are trying to stop them. Yeah. There's no way to, to incapacitate him. You have to stab him in the chest with Wolverine's claws. That was the plan. You know, it's just it seems like, you know, they went in with the intentions of killing him because you can see it's a it's a coordinated plan, you know, distract him and then stab him in the chest go stabby on him. Yeah, they and never obviously talk to him. It's all about killing him. It doesn't seem like a very superhero kind of thing to do. If this were, a, you know, like a shadow team coming in that didn't include Luke Cage and Iron Fist, then I could see that if it were just Electra, Punisher and Wolverine. But it's not. His friends would never agree to just kill him without trying again. Well, and neither would Elektra. Or Spider-Man. Or Master Ezo. Only Punisher and Wolverine. And, you know, honestly, I would venture to say that Punisher and Wolverine would not kill him either. You know, Punisher's had his past with Daredevil, but he's never killed him. You know, Wolverine wouldn't kill another hero like that. Yeah, and Spider-Man, of all people, would jump in front of the claws before he let... You know, another hero get killed in front of him like that. And it's not like they, you know, it's not like they were like, kill him. And then that was our plan just to stab him in the chest and not kill him. You know, he goes all six claws deep. You know, it sounds like a sex thing. He went, you know, Wolverine <laughs> went claws deep in Daredevil. Wolverine um, claws deep. <laughs> and, uh, and then they're surprised that it doesn't kill him. So the intention was to kill him. Yeah, and then Punisher just you know yells at them that they should have just let me shoot him. So obviously they talked about him shooting him. Yeah, I just and I I, I did not care for this issue. I thought it was kind of poorly written. I don't know if Master Ezo, the dude that like trained him, is like, yeah, that's not Matt Murdock anymore, and he needs and he needs to go down. <laughs> Wouldn't that like change people's opinions a little bit? 
Like, this no. is the dude. This is the dude that knows what's going on with with Matt Murdock's possession. You know, I'm I'm just thinking Master Ezo is like this is what needs to be done, and me and Electra know all about all this stuff, and there's this is the only way to to save Matt Murdock's soul. You know, yeah. But no. I don't care if it's Green Goblin himself. Spider Man's not going to agree to go along with any plan that involves killing someone. If someone dies during the course of the battle, that's one thing. He's not going to go along and agree with any killing plan, though. Let's keep in mind that five months ago, no one agreed to kill the Sentry. Thor did it out of desperation. (laughs) And the Sentry was going to destroy the world. And they were still trying to figure out a way around it until Thor said, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm just going to bash his head in. That's why I like Thor. (laughs) <laughs> Thank God for Thor. But you know what? The Daredevil, who I, you know, who isn't a shit character, <laughs> gets possessed. He's not inherently evil like the Sentry. He actually gets possessed, and they're like, you know what? Just, just stab him. Just stab him. <laughs> I, I think that's the way the Catholic Church has been doing this for two thousand years, Paul. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, all I got out of that, Paul, was a reminder of why I like Thor. Which I didn't get out of Thor 616. Boy, ain't that the truth. God dang. I'm going to yeah. drop this from my pull list while we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't like 615, but I gave 616 another chance, thinking, yeah, man, yeah maybe, maybe it was just too jarring of a change. Maybe I can ease into it. And I got to be honest, the artwork started working for me in this book, and the story started working for me. Until Thor decides that he's going to call forth Loki. He's going to resurrect Loki. What in the hell? So I di- originally didn't get this this book. I, I, I went in Wednesday. I grabbed my books. I said, no, Matt Fraction, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, Just say and no then, to Matt Fraction. Yep. And then Friday morning, I found $5 on the ground. I'm like, you know what? With $5 of somebody else's money, I'll give it one more issue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I bought this with Paul's money, and you know, said it would have been my own. <laughs> right. Well, why would you? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Paul's got money. It's. Like, I don't know at what point Thor became a whiny bitch. Yeah. Apparently, this issue, but he he's just a whiny he just, bitch. Yeah, he just told Balder to suck it up, and then they start sweeping up the fucking Oiden's room. And he's like, "Oh, sadness." I. I'm so mad. There's so much crap going on here. Half of this book isn't anything about Thor. It's about these red people that nobody gives a crap about. Right. And then there's a, a two-page spread about this little nerd that nobody gives a crap about. Matt Fraction, you couldn't have hurt me more if you took Majolner to my balls. I, lo- <laughs> I love this series. I hate this book. Well, and well I, let's and be I honest. Out. Bear, you're not using him. <laughs> and I am out. What, what kills me about the book is – you know, you're you're complaining about how whiny Thor is. Um, if this if this story had immediately followed Siege, that wouldn't have bothered you, and it would have seen organic to the story. You know, you would have said, "Oh well, you know, he just suffered a huge loss. It's appropriate for uh, for Thor to be a little, you know, insightful and 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 mopey." But with the what four five issue run of of the Fred Van Lente uh, uh, story in between, it's not appropriate. You know, it's it's out of sequence. Kieran Gillen, yeah. by the way. Kieran Gillen, thank you. I'm sorry. Um, with with it, it just seems like we're revisiting story beats that we've already read through. What bugs me is I had a hard time when uh, Straczynski 
had Thor call back Loki, but it made sense in that story because he was bringing back all the Asgardians. I got two problems with this. One, Loki is is largely responsible for what happened to Asgard, and the gods know this. Both times. Yes. Um, So, you know, here's Thor. I miss my brother, a brother who has been a villain to him since the early issues of Thor back in the 60s. Okay, so that's my first problem. My second problem – I need to make a comment on that. He misses his brother. It's not like they did a lot of shit together anyway other than fight. It's not like they went to the movies and had family dinners. You know, they fought. And it's not like Thor didn't have other siblings. Balder is his brother. Yeah, but in (laughs) Thor's defense there, Balder is being a bitch in this issue. I mean, Thor's being a whiny bastard, Balder's being a bitch, and Volstagg's an idiot. And I like all these characters normally. Thor also has three very close friends, Volstagg, Hogan the Grimm, and Fandral. I mean, it's not like he's he has nobody else to relate to. Okay, but my first issue is the fact that Loki is a villain. Loki is responsible for what has happened to Asgard. Thor misses him. He's going to bring him back. My second issue is that Thor gave up the Odin power. He gave up the Odin power to reform Majolner, right? Because Majolner got all busted up. Yes. Okay. How is it then that Thor has the ability to resurrect somebody? Because he never well, had that ability before. We haven't seen him actually show up yet. True. We just saw him call him. Well, uh, he's on the cover for the next issue, too. True. Well, and there's a Loki number one one shot coming out next week. But we haven't seen that he actually is the one to revive him. I'm sure he is. I'm sure it's a gaping plot hole. But I'm just saying we haven't seen it on panel yet. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm i done. I am, I am off of uh, the main Thor title, which saddens me. Um, I... It breaks my heart that that you know what uh, Straczynski did so well for so long has been put in the wrong person's hands. Uh, I just want to kill the miniseries with good art. Yeah, or one shot. A one shot would cover it. I don't need a whole miniseries because I don't think her story is worthy of a miniseries necessarily. I just really like the character and what the and her you know relationship with Bill, who's now dead and in Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. But I want to see another issue that with, with this good movie. art. Yeah. But I had an issue with that, too. You know, I thought she was feeling better after the last after the, <laughs> the last couple of issues. I thought she, she was, was fine. feeling better after she saw him well, and saw that he's out there and happy. Apparently she drank here. the same sad face Kool-Aid that everybody else drank in Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I understand that this book was written to follow up Siege immediately and that we had four issues and now we're getting conflicting characterizations you know characters have moved on past things and now they're back at square one right in their emotions but it's it's frustrating that that's happening first of all you know and second of all because we all have multiple issues with this book this book was delayed what like four months yeah right so why the hell does marvel release two issues two weeks away from each other well they're catching up (laughs) (laughs) i I thought the whole point was to give them extra time and hey let's just release them bi-weekly now to really fuck up our schedule that way it'll be delayed when we catch up with all they have complete i i i thought the book sucked pretty hard at the end but what's sad is that it it had kind of won me back up until the end of the book i was like huh i'm strangely enjoying this and then not 
see, I can't say the same because you know you have um, Volstag bringing that scientist guy, and they're just a complete dick to him. Yeah. Oh, you you're, know, that you're seemed absolutely out of character. Right. It know, did seem out of character that? because you know Thor has always been the one that's patient with the mortals, you know, and has no patience for him in that scene. It's because yeah, he's a whiny bitch had- now. Yeah, he had no patience last issue either with yeah. Balder. I don't expect him to have any patience with uh, the friggin' pharmacy guy from Family Guy. So, whatever. <laughs> was just, uh, this book was suck from page one to the last page. Yeah. But you know what's sad? So, I I, I, I think we can all agree we hated Thor 616. You'll never hear Thor 617 review on the show. Uh, <laughs> Ever. Ever. Yeah, I uh, so, I... Um, on Wednesday, this, today, October 16th, well, the day we're recording this is October 16th, which is Boss's Day. And, um, you know, uh, my employees went out and did some stuff for me this week. And one of them bought me a copy of Ultimate Thor number one. Oh, wow. Ultimate Comics Thor number one. I was like, oh, wow. That's, That's very employees. Yeah. And they got me a little plaque that says Awesome Boss. But um, wow, are they lying to you? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, and it's funny because it says "Awesome Boss 2010." I'm like, ooh, you guys are in for shit come 2011. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the awesome sauce plaque was taken. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. But you know, I was craving some good Thor after Thor 616, mm-hmm. and I got it in Ultimate Comics Thor number one. Yeah. I really dug this book. I like that book. Because I didn't buy it. I had no intentions of buying it. But when they gave it to me, I was like, oh, let me give it a read. It's damn good. I've missed that version of Ultimate Thor. I don't like the current version that they tried to make more like the regular Marvel version nearly as much. I miss the old, you know, the old axe-looking hammer and the uh, is he crazy, is he not crazy that just was a much more interesting version for the ultimate version of Thor to me. And I don't know why they changed it to be to try to match everything else. Well, and I think that's what the problem with the ultimate universe had been is that it was looking too much like the regular Marvel universe. And, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to interviews with guys like Bendis who've said, you know, we realize that that's what we've done. And now we're making those corrections, you know, so that the, the, the ultimate universe does look significantly different from the Marvel U. Um, I loved Ultimate Comics Thor, and I gotta say, you know, there are so many Thor titles out right now. Ultimate, Ultimate Comics Thor, Thor for Asgard, Thor the Mighty Avenger, and every single one of them is better than the ongoing Thor title. Rage of Thor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every and you know, we've got more Thor coming. Uh, Thunderstrike, which is a character that I loved, uh, which you know was a. Uh, the Eric Masterson character who served as Thor for a while, and then when Thor returned, he became Thunderstrike. That series ended, I want to say, back in the 90s, and it's coming back. We saw some teaser art for that this week. I'm so excited about that. What and do you the- think happened to Fraction? I mean, we used to sing his praises, and now now that he's you know stretched so thin that he's writing half of Marvel's books, it seems, sometimes, almost universally, we're not liking any of his books anymore. Well, I think... You know, we were singing Fraction's praises because we were unfamiliar with his work. And seeing the way he, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. You know, he, he told these great stories, and it's like, oh, man, that you know, you really get into the, the, the mind of Tony Stark and blah, blah, blah. And then you realized, 
well, that's every issue. And Iron Man never pops out to kick some ass. That's what got to me in Fantastic Four. I mean, it started off, wow, this is a great Fantastic Four story. And then we saw the same story again and again. It was just different trappings. Oh, we're going to travel to a new city. We're going to to meet new characters and not really do much. And then at the end, we'll give you a one-page, which we even liked the one-page thing when it was first there. And it gets to the point where it's like, okay, I'm done with this. Let's see something new. I don't read Thor for deep philosophical discussions about loss. I read Thor to see somebody get hit with a motherfucking hammer, <laughs> and it, that's two issues. It hasn't happened, and that, and I'm and I'm out, and it's just it's sad. And yeah. I it, he's done that with Iron Man, from what you guys tell me. I think that that it is a conceit of the writer, you know, to to kind of giggle and go, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tease Thor. You know, your Thor isn't going to be the star of his own book. You know, and I and I think that's writer ego thinking that he can give you a better Thor experience than you've ever had by not giving you Thor and rationing the amount of Thor you get. You know, when I buy Thor, I want to read fucking Thor. When I buy Spider Man, I want to read Spider Man. Don't hide the main character from me. And that's exactly what they've done in these in these two Thor books is that they and you know six fifteen and six sixteen is that they have limited the amount of Thor you're getting and the amount of Thor you're getting is you know whiny wimp ass Thor versus hammer wielding smash the bad guy I killed the century Thor you know that's yeah. the guy we want to see well and that's the guy we get in Ultimate Thor number one you're right. You get kick-ass Thor. And yeah, it's not Marvel Universe Thor. There's a little confusion because I'm not following the Ultimate Universe, so I don't know um, some of the stuff that takes place in present day. But you get Thor fighting Nazi frost giants in yeah. World War II Germany. That is pretty freaking awesome. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's just awesome. And Baron Zemo, uh-huh. uh, the appearance by Baron Zemo, I-, I-, I loved this book. And the art was fantastic. I, I have nothing but... Positive things to say about Ultimate Thor. So, are you buying issue two, Paul? Yeah, I, I think you know I, I'm, I'm dropping Thor, but I am pick, I'm going to pick up Ultimate Thor, and I might pick up this Iron Man Thor miniseries uh, written by Fred Van. L- uh, I'm sorry, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hopefully, I'll still get some good Thor action because you know those guys are pretty awesome. So, Wayne, um, I think you made the right move having Paul's employees buy that comic for him. So now we have indoctrinated Paul back into the Ultimates universe. That's right. (laughs) Sorry. Wow. (laughs) Save that for the Halloween episode. (laughs) That wasn't creepy at all. (laughs) And on that high note, let's talk about the Thanos Imperative number five. This book just gets better and better. I love Thanos Imperative number five. I, I just I just dug it. Um, all kinds of ass whooping. You know, there, there's no Matt Fraction in here hiding the stuff from you. This is all let's beat some alien ass. This was great. But yeah, the, the, I love the Thanos Imperative because it's six issues. And you know what? It's not decompressed storytelling. So much stuff happens in every issue. Yeah. Shit explodes. People die. People get crushed. There's just so much going on, and I don't feel lost, even though I'm not familiar with the universe. And then each issue ends with this surprise, awesome ending. Yeah, and I love that last panel with Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon. Uh, Rocky, um, I can't bear to look, but did Thanos just screw us over? Oh, like you wouldn't flark and believe. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, Thanos has been their, their, their sole hope in this whole thing and, you know, gives him the great big Scroogey. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. I, it, this book, we can't say enough positive things about it. And, you know, I'm happy to hear, and I'm, you know, I know you guys hate when I talk about this kind of stuff. You're talking about solicits, aren't you? No, actually. Okay. I'm going to talk about an announcement at New York Comic Con that post Thanos Imperative, there will be um, a one-shot called The Devastation Wave, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, uh, that takes place in the, uh, you know, the, the Marvel Galaxy, mm-hmm. you know, type stuff. So obviously, this isn't the ending of that. You know, of that universe. So I'm very happy to hear that because, you know what? I, I dropped out for a while, but Thanos Imperative has brought me back in, and I would be very sorry if this was the end of everything. I, I have been encouraged to see that each issue of Thanos Imperative has gone into at least a second printing. Um, so I, I think that bodes well for uh, the ongoing stories in the cosmic line in the Marvel Universe. So I got my fingers crossed that we're going to get to see a whole lot more of this type of action because. Wow, Thanos Imperative has rocked my socks. Well, another book that's kind of kicking ass is the Taskmaster miniseries, written by Fred Van Lente with art by Jeff T. Paolo. Mm-hmm. This book is awesome. You, Taskmaster joins a band, or, or he's trying to find out, I guess his identity was erased or he forgot his identity, I don't know. But he's trying to, to remember himself, and he comes across a band of, I guess it's, Mexican Day of the Dead dressing <laughs> something. I mean, it's just it's so off the wall, but it's you know it's storytelling like you don't get too much in the Marvel universe. This is type type of stuff you get from like Atomic Robo, right? You know, quirky humor. You know, lots of action, and you know, you, you know, he uh, Taskmaster plays guitar. Yeah, in you know at the Luchador band. Uh huh. I just I, I loved this book. I, I just loved I, this book. I just love it when they're uh, he and the bad guy. Well, you know, Taskmaster and the bad guy. So the bad guy and the bad guy are fighting on top of the bus. Dawn of the Dead, the Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> D O N of the Dead, calls uh, Taskmaster El Maestro de Task. <laughs> it just I I think it's hysterical. And all through the book, I'm like, well, the way they're writing for you know the, this you know Mexican mercenary. Is a little racist, you know, because it's, you'll face the dawn of the dead in final combat. What you say to that, huh? And, you know, I'm like, this is a little wrong. I, I don't think that uh, you ought to be writing <laughs> the, uh, the the dialogue that way. And then they unmask him and he's a white dude. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. So now it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but this book was hysterical. And you know you're, the uh, the the Day of the Dead masks on all of these guys were just cracking me up. I, I loved it. I, I this is one of those kind of things I could see as an ongoing with the right team. Um, I think that the art the artist and the writer are excellently paired for the subject matter in this book. Uh, it it is so much fun, and the reveals in the book are great. And I won't I won't spoil any more of them. I've already you know ruined one of the best jokes for you, but. Uh, I just I, I think this book is awesome. I agree, and you know what I, I would I would say maybe not ongoing, but something like Atomic Robo, where you have a yeah. series of mini series. Yes, you know different yeah. Taskmaster adventures because. And you know, Paul, I, I would say I, I agree with you. I think a, a series of mini series is the way to go, but I think that's the way to go for most of, of the ongoing books out there. 
It's a good point. Because they're all told in story arcs anyway. So why, you know, have the illusion of ongoing series where you've got to uh, have fillers and whatnot? Why not just contract teams for story arcs and release them that way? I think I would, I think I would prefer to read them that way. Yeah, and I, I hope they do that with Taskmaster because uh, great book. Um, if you're not picking it up, pick it up in trade because this this is great storytelling, funny book. This is the type of comic I like to read. I think everybody else that was reading The Incredible Hulks dropped, right? I'm the only one who read Incredible Hulk 614. Yes. Okay, so I picked this book up because it had Valkyrie on the cover, and I really like that character. This book is a departure from uh, the last two issues of The Incredible Hulks in that it was one story all the way through. It was also a departure in that I liked it all the way through. In fact, it's one of the better Hulk stories I've read in a great long while. I thoroughly enjoyed this issue of The Incredible Hulk. Hulk. Wow. Um, now, there is a, a, uh, a backup, and you'll say, well, Aaron, you said that, that it wasn't two stories, but it explains something that happens earlier in the book. So it really does tie the whole thing together. I, I, the whole thing was really very good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Um, not sure I'm going to pick up 615, though, because I pick, I did pick it up for, for the Valkyrie storyline or the Valkyrie appearance, which was minor. She's not in the book hardly at all. <laughs> but uh, I, I did really enjoy it. And so I, I, I think I'm probably going to leave the Incredible Hulks now uh, with a positive taste versus the negative uh, feelings that I've had about the last two issues. Leave on a high note, Aaron. Exactly. Exactly. As long as it's plural, I'm not buying it. That's my <laughs> rule. When they drop the S, I might buy an issue again. But it was good. So you're saying it was superior to the previous issues. I was. I was. And like an idiot, I bought Mark Millar's Superior Number 1. I was curious. And the the reason you're, you guys are going, you know, Aaron, you've just come off a huge Mark Millar rant recently. How in the hell did you buy this book? Well, Laniel Yu was doing the artwork. And I love Laniel Yu. So I picked it up. And, you know, again, this is another one of Mark Millar's efforts to sell a media property. Um, I mean, he's real clear about that in in his uh, editorial at the end of the book. I was hoping for some kind of alternative Superman action. And what you get is a kid whose wish gets fulfilled and he gets to become a Superman-like character. Really thought that, that the concept was pretty lame. And while the artwork is beautiful, again, love Laniel Yu's artwork. The story was was really pretty lame. Uh, and I won't be picking up number two. It was like a it was like a car accident, wasn't there? You had to slow down and get a good eyeball full of it. <laughs> you got a little too much, and then you threw up in your Prius. Isn't that what happened? That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> Let's not call it an editorial at the back. It's probably probably better qualified as a rant. Or a, like a wank. I really think a it's wank. more of a there we go. It's wank. more of a wank. Much better. <laughs> the wank page. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yuck. I won't be picking up number two. It's your fault for picking up number one. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I glanced you know at it in the store, saw everything I needed. <laughs> so uh, Justice League Generation Lost number eleven continues. I think a really strong run uh, of stories on this book. The artwork is beautiful. I'm, I'm getting a kick out of, of how things are developing. What do you think, Wayne? You know how we talked about whiny Thor for a while? You uh -huh. know who's not whiny anymore? Ice. Yeah. Ice is done being whiny, and I, 
I'm happy. And about freaking time and a welcome change. This is one of the best issues of the series overall, I think. And seeing her finally cut loose and, you know, doing something she's never done before, essentially turn herself into a female version of Iceman. Yeah. Was pretty cool to see since she's been doing nothing but wine since issue one. It's funny because I absolutely agree with you. I think this is the, the strongest uh, issue in the series thus far. And it's funny to say that because it has the metal men in it, characters that I generally hate. And I think that they're actually used very well in this story. I, I love what they did with them here. I did too. And the metal men essentially, for people not reading it, are thrown in on this machine where they're programmed. And they think that they're in Middle Ages fantasy storytelling here. That they're just wizards and warriors and things that are fighting, and they have no idea that they're fi- who they're fighting. They're seeing these monsters and things when in reality they're fighting the Justice League Generation Lost people. Yeah, it was really very good stuff, and the artwork is just so good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with Ice here, and I think it's going to actually tie in with Brightest Day. I mean, this has had the Brightest Day banner since the beginning, and. It's been more tied in than a lot of things that have the banner because it's all about Max. Yeah. But I think they're really going to start pulling in what happened to her when she was brought back to life. Yeah. It, the the whole thing just really had a lot of energy. You could, you it had a strong sense of direction. And I can't say that all the all the issues have. You know, there are some rooms like, you know, did we just waste our time here? What's going on? But this this issue is very tight and just works on all cylinders. Way to go. Big thumbs up. And I'm, like, like, I'm with you, Wayne. I can't wait to see what they do with Ice. Though, are you disappointed that you don't get that costume anymore? I, I like the fact that when she turned uh, when she turned into Ice, she shredded the costume she was wearing. And I like her big icy forearms now. <laughs> <laughs> she got Popeye right. arms now, guys. <laughs> so uh, now that I'm thoroughly disturbed... <laughs> Please, the man that talks about fucking a goat is disturbed. I don't think so, Paul. In the goat's ass. I mean, it's goat anal at that. (laughs) Well, yeah, where else would she have sex with a goat? (laughs) Strangely, he makes sense. (laughs) Oh, that would be a brightest day indeed. Uh, so speaking of Brightest Day books, um, <laughs> Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors, issue three came out this week. You need to apologize to Guy Gardner because that's how you intro this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Guy. Speaking of goat fuckers, Actually, Guy Gardner. Yeah, that seems pretty appropriate. Yeah. yeah the, well, there is an elephant in this book, but not a There's goat. There's an elephant in the room. His name is Baybar. <laughs> that's Lantern Baybar. Lantern Baybar. <laughs> Or Bronco Billy, they call him that too. You know what? I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw out a little love to the colorists because they're part of the creative team. And in this book, it makes a it makes a hell of a difference because when you've got all of these massive like color pages, red versus blue versus re- green, it could be very easily a mess, and it's not in this book. So a little a little love for Randy Mayer and Gabe L Tab, which is Spanish for the tab. <laughs> they have two colors on this team, and it was awesome. Book of the week, and there was a lot of action going on. 
um, you get to see um, kind of the reveal about what the what the Red Lantern has to say, although it takes a little bit of time to do so. So, Aaron, what was your what were your thoughts on the book? Loved it. I loved it. I you know very entertaining. Um, I think that some of the pacing is making a little bit more sense to me now. I, I've had some concerns, and I think Paul did too, in issue two about the about how slowly the story was moving. But uh, I'm getting it. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, we're going to get some more Sidemiot, and uh, I like that we find out what that dude's doing with all the eyeballs. Because <laughs> you know, was wondering what he was doing with all the eyeballs, and now we know <laughs> he wasn't skull fucking them, Aaron. Well, you know, you have to wonder. <laughs> How she get the eyeball out? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> You know, there's a reason we're only talking about Emerald Warriors this week, even though other Green Lantern books came out. I think this is the only one that was, you know... Doesn't I, I suck? Enjoy, well, no. I enjoy all the Green Lantern books, but I don't think any of them stand out, really. I, I think we're getting too much Green Lantern. You know, there is too much of a good thing, and I think we're getting it right now in the Green Lantern universe. I think we're getting too much Green Lantern. Well, and you know, what's strange about that is that all three of the titles are good. You know, I, I'm enjoying Green Lantern. I'm enjoying Green Lantern Corps, and I'm enjoying you know Emerald Warrior. It's just it, it's too much of the same type of storytelling, I think. And it's all good. It's just too much. I, I totally agree. Uh, I think it's just you know it, it there. Yeah, and yes, each book is has a different story going on in it, but I think it's the same type of story. And, you know, the fact that they're all tied into Brightest Day. So, you know, they're uh, at some point they're all going to intersect. I'm just, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. It's just I think there's just too much. I think there's one Green Lantern book too many. Right. It, now. Here's what here's what you need to do. You need to drop Hal Jordan's 1940s bomber jacket wearing ass and get on board with the buzz cut and the mean spiritness that is Guy Gardner like I am. Well, I halfway agree with you there, Tim. I've never really cared for Hal, so I'm fine with dropping him. But I'm a big Kyle fan, and I've never liked I've never liked Guy Gardner. Well, yeah, I I think the problem with the Green Lantern books is that they're too interconnected. You really, I don't think you can drop one of the titles and still see the fullness of what's going on in the Green Lantern universe. You know, I I, I and and just like Paul's saying, they're all gonna you know wind up connecting back into Brightest Day because they've got that damn Brightest Day uh, banner up there. I I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna miss something key if I drop one of the books. And the sad thing is, is that I'm enjoying all three of the books. You know, and at two ninety nine, I'm willing to 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 stick out with them. Of course, you know, Emerald Warriors is three ninety nine. But isn't that uh, until three- January? In January, all DC books are dropping down to two ninety nine. Right. So that will make me a very happy Paul. Yes. As well it should. But you know what doesn't make me a very happy Paul? What's that, Paul? The return of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Why did you buy issue five, Paul? We all bought issue one, I think. A couple of us bought issue two, and gradually we dropped off because we all agreed that this series was crap. So why did you buy issue number five? I disagree. I did not buy issue one, Wayne. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Tim had more sense than the rest of us. Oh, Aaron, I need that as a drop. (laughs) (laughs) Only time you'll ever hear it. (laughs) Well, I picked up Return of Bruce Wayne number five, honestly, because I had heard it was important. The series is getting ready to wrap up. I was like, you know what? 
let me get let me get in you know for the ending and you know the issue was delayed i mean you're we're about to talk about bruce wayne the road home which spoils the shit out of the ending you know so you know this book was obviously delayed i'm pretty sure six was supposed to be out by now but this book has an amnesiac amnesia amnesia whatever Amnesiac? amnesiac bruce wayne bruce wayne doesn't remember yeah, he <laughs> doesn't remember who he is, and he is investigating the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. So he is investigating the murder of his parents, which great concept, right? Yeah, that sounds so great. If it wasn't written by Grant Morrison, I'd buy it. I was it. about to say, you know how I found that out? Reading a review of the book because I didn't understand it when I was reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this book is borderline incomprehensible. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And not only you know, and you know what makes it even worse is everyone's dressed and the architecture and everything is like the twenties and thirties, you know, kind of like when Batman first came out. Except that you know, for Bruce Wayne to be like thirty-five, you know, his parents had to have been killed in the eighties. And you know, when you do everything like it's in the thirties, it just it, it confuses me. You know, I understand that you know, Grant Morrison's trying to you know make every you know try to loop it all together but you know bruce wayne's parents weren't killed in the 30s people don't people didn't say things like dame and broad and dress in pinstripe suits back in the 80s which is when bruce wayne's parents logically would have had to have been killed so it's borderline incomprehensible paul it's a it's just a bunch of words with pictures yeah, just like the first few issues you know it, it's just you know, and I, I get that it's you know, I, I, and I get this again because I read a review of how it ties into some of the other Batman books and Batman R.I.P. and all that. So, you know, actually, I, I guess if this book was a, a written story, like a book or something, I, I, I would enjoy it more. But as a comic book, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I, I, and I can honestly say it just it just confused the shit out of me, and I, I literally had to read something else to understand what was going on in the book. And I think that's just Grant Morrison's shit-ass writing. So, rant over. We can talk about Bruce Wayne, The Road Home. Because, uh, you know, obviously Bruce Wayne comes back. Shocker there. And uh, there is a series of eight tie-in issues. Um, <laughs> that in, that where basically the, the premise is that Bruce Wayne is going across all of the, the Batman family to see how they've established themselves in his absence and if he needs to step in and take them down or if they are good to go. And uh, spoiler warning on, because you didn't know, everyone's doing A-OK. <laughs> Wait, even and I just girl? told you the story of all eight issues, or at least Based? the four that were released this week. Did, so you bought all four of them, Paul? I bought all four. Wow. I have to say my favorite panel out of – I only bought two of them. My favorite panel out of all of them was uh, when he does his reveal because he's got to reveal himself in every one of these. And they all have to you know, actually say the word Bruce on there because we can't tell by the art. I mean the guy looks like he's 25, not 35 in the picture. You know, and You'd have no idea who he was if they didn't say Bruce. Batgirl's reaction to it? is to slap him in the face. And I have to say I cheered because after reading how much of a dick Bruce Wayne was in these issues, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to punch him in the face. 
You know, I, I there was one there was one thing in the Red Robin book that I thought was very very interesting is when Alfred basically tells Vicky Vale that she's right about all this stuff, and then tells her that she'll never prove it and he'll deny it. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to see Vicky Vale's like, "Oh damn, he's right." You know, and that's the thing is these weren't necessarily bad books. The Red Robin stuff about Red Robin and dealing with Rajah Ghoul and Prudence and the Vicky Vale Alfred stuff, all of that was great. It's just the stuff with Bruce that wasn't good. The Batgirl book, I actually really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the Oracle stuff. I enjoyed the uh, Proxy, which is Wendy from used to be in Teen Titans. I enjoyed the her basic storyline. I just didn't like all the Bruce stuff. I mean, they shoehorned him into what could have actually been good stories in all of them that are based around him just wandering around trying to test them all. I don't know. I, I, defi- I definitely liked his take on Dick Grayson, Batman, and and uh, Ian Robin. Yeah. His I take will say on that, the differences. I thought that yeah. was cool. No, I agree. I think the two good books... You know, the Batgirl one wasn't bad. And I'm not saying these are bad books. The Batman and Robin and Red Robin ones by uh, Fabian Nicieza, um, good. We're, we're really good. The Batgirl one wasn't half bad. The Outsiders one sucked, but, you know, shocker there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they weren't bad books. They were just very similar. You know, the, Bat- yeah. the Bruce Wayne portion of the story was literally the same in all of the books. It's only the Vicky Vale stuff that changed. You know, and I think that's an injection by uh, Fabian or Fabian or whatever um, because of, you know, the story that he's writing in Red Robin. Yeah, I mean, and that's really the trend I, I saw in the, the two I read is that they weren't bad books at all. I just didn't like seeing the same Bruce Wayne story retold, you know, across multiple books. The parts that didn't have to do with Bruce Wayne, the parts that actually seemed to tie into the regular series and push forward what's going to happen in the regular series were all good. I don't know. I guess I liked his take on the different the different people. I, I liked his take on Red Robin. I liked his take on Dick Grayson. But you're right. It was basically the same actual story. You're just changing some of the text and some of the thoughts as far as what 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 Bruce is thinking about the people that he's uh, you know staring through the window because he's a peeping Bruce or whatever. Yeah, and I love yeah. that he has this super powered suit. Well, where the frick did that come from? Why is he super super Batman now? You know, I thought the whole point of Batman was that he was a normal human being, and now he has a suit, an Amazo suit, essentially. He has super speed, ex, you know, um, laser vision, that type of stuff. And I'm going to be curious to see, well, to hear your review of it because I'm not reading Batman: Return of Bruce Wayne number six. I'm going to be curious to see how he returns without any of them knowing it, because they yeah. all seem shocked that he's back. Well, and some of them he hasn't told yet. You know, uh, Dick Grayson and uh, Damien, you know, don't know that they're being, you know, eluded by Bruce Wayne. Same so, with Oracle. Know, he, he kept he kept it from Oracle as well. Yeah, so he's he's come back, and the only person he's told at this point is Tim Drake. And Alfred. Oh, yeah, and Alfred. And uh, there is a, an interesting thing at the end of the Batgirl issue. Where Alfred says, you know, you come back, you're testing Stephanie Brown out. Why haven't you even looked for Cassandra Kane? And he says, because I know where she is. She's doing exactly what I told her to do. I think that's interesting. I'm very curious to see what that means. I love that because the whole handoff of the costume never seemed 
in character or right to me. That was something that always kind of bothered me and how they tied all that together. And the, the comment that, yeah, and Tim's been talking to her, you know, keeping regular tabs on her. The fact that Tim has been in on this as well to a degree that I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, they're not bad books, and it's only two ninety nine each. You know, not a, you're not going to feel anyone stealing money out of your pocket unless you pick up that Outsiders one, which was absolute garbage. But, um, you know, if, if you want someone to steal your money, what you'll do is you'll buy goddamn motherfucking Superman number 703. You know, I was actually going to say, speaking of absolute garbage, why did you buy Superman number 703, Paul? It was in my box. <laughs> Why didn't you just put it back? You, if you listen to the last episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, you'll know the, the drama that occurred the last time I put a book back on the shelf. I I, I was blackmailed into buying this fucking book. <laughs> I, I have to admit that that's actually why I picked it up as well. I pulled out. I didn't really look through my list too well. I got up near the counter, so I'd already walked away from the books. And then I see that it's still in there. And I remember Paul's conversation about you know how they blackmailed him. I'm like, oh, this is supposed to have the Batman conversation. I'll do one more issue. You guys have no balls at all. Right now. I'd have ripped it out of his out of his hand and tossed it on the ground. Like I don't need that. Oh, and Tim would have Tim would have pissed on it as well, (laughs) and then told him to put it back on the shelf. Yeah, put that in your pull box, bucko. (laughs) It was, and you know what? It sucked. It was a shit issue. Um. So who did he talk to? Did he talk to Bruce or did he talk to to Dick? He talked to Dick. Talked to the Dick. I got you. yeah, which doesn't. Yeah, and honestly, I think the issue was originally written as Bruce because, uh, you know, other than one panel, it looks like Bruce Wayne. You know, the car only is one mentioned that it's actually Dick Grayson. The car is Dick Grayson's car, though. I don't think Bruce is going to use that car if he becomes Batman again at this point. Yeah, but that again, that's one panel, which you know, it could have just been drawn in, and honestly. The new Batmobile isn't black. Isn't the new Batmobile white? White? No. This is the new Bat- Batmobile, the one that I saw when I was reading at least, was black with that red dome. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But either way, it, it, it reads more like Bruce Wayne's talking to him. Because I don't think Dick Grayson would pull up to Superman and say, you know what? Let me give you a lecture, Superman. Because what you're doing is stupid, and you're putting people in danger, and blah, 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 blah. And would Superman comment to Dick Grayson that he can play the psycho cop? It's not, he's not talking to Bruce. This, isn't, this is Dick. Dick's more public, more visible, more fun-loving, happy-go-lucky kind of guy than Bruce. I don't see him calling him psycho cop. Exactly. I, don't know. I don't know, Paul. Let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. Dick Grayson took over the mantle. He's been Batman for about a year. He he was the head of the Titans. He's now the head of the Justice League. You know, even Bruce is kind of saying he's he looks like he's comfortable in his own skin. You don't think he would have a conversation like that? I mean, maybe I not the exact so. verbiage, but you don't think I don't, he'd call out Superman? I don't think Dick Grayson would call out Superman like that. I think, and well, of course, I, I don't think, think Grayson, Superman would fly up and hold someone by their their feet, threatening them. For 30 minutes either. So if characters are going to be out of uh, character, they might as well go all the way. Yeah. You know, um, 
well, I honestly, I think Bruce Wayne would have this conversation with Superman. I think Dick Grayson might say something to Superman, but in a Dick Grayson kind of way. Like, hey, Supes, you know, are you sure you're doing the right thing? And if Superman said, yeah, fuck off, Dick Grayson would be like, cool, you're the man. You know, I, this is a Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent conversation. Not only that, it's not a well-written one. Not only that, Superman is supposed to be connecting with the people, but since this storyline has started, we've seen nothing but superpower bad guys. And apparently what's happening is J. Michael Straczynski bought the first season of Smallville because <laughs> meteorites from New Krypton have crashed to Earth and are giving people superpowers. So now we have Superman fighting superpowered people um, who are you know who, who are powered by New Krypton meteorites. Seriously. Destroying defenseless towns in the process. Yeah, destroying defense. This is this is Superman grounded. This is what I expect. This is Superman walking across the country, you know, connecting with the regular people. Uh, fuck that book. If it, you know, it's sad. I had two Superman stories this week. There's this actually in the comic book, and then I watched Smallville this week, and Smallville was a better Superman story than Superman. That that's is sad. awesome. You know, you know, you write a shit Superman book when someone's got small pills better than it. <laughs> but you know, I read a good Superman story this week. Superman: The Last Family of Krypton, number three, which was the third issue in a uh, three-issue miniseries, uh, came out and finished up the story wonderfully. I, gosh, I really enjoyed this this story. Um, big thumbs up uh i it's not perfect there are some pacing issues in fact you know when you when you have it set out in three issues you kind of see it as a three act play and the second act carried over to the third issue um so you didn't have i i, I felt like there wasn't enough conflict in the last issue because it's still built up to that conflict but other than that this was uh the best superman story i've read in a long long time uh, thoroughly enjoyed this this series and Wayne I can't wait for you to read it I'm looking forward to it I wish I could have got the first issue when it came out after you described it I went looking for it and couldn't find it you know it must have been difficult to turn the pages when you had both hands firmly on Lana L's ass here. <laughs> well yeah I just read it on her back you know? oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome awesome and of we course, all about the class here. Laura L's ass up there on Mount Asmore. <laughs> yeah. So big thumbs up. Get it in trade. Wonderful stuff. It seems to me that the best Superman stories these days are in Elseworlds books. For some reason, DC can't tell a decent Superman story in their regular monthlies. And the only place they have the courage to tell a good Superman story and take chances and do interesting things is over in uh, uh, the Elseworld titles. Um, I don't know what the hell they thought with this whole JMS uh, grounded thing, but it's crap. And they need to pull the plug on that thing. I can honestly say I don't remember the last good Superman story I read. Straight up. Yeah. Uh, I, I really can't think of it. Funeral for a, a friend? <laughs> Uh, no, there's been some good stuff since then. You know, the Superman Batman books by Jeff Loeb, I enjoyed that kind of stuff. But it's been a couple of years since I've read a Superman story that I really thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Ugh. So, Paul. Indie us, spotlight. Go ahead and throw that spotlight over on the indies. All right. Alan Moore's Neonomicon. 
I, I can't about the- believe you're buying an Alan Moore book. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, I picked it up because, you know, it's it's Cthulhu. And you're weak. Yeah, yeah well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> it was in my pull box, but I put it there. Um, <laughs> Notice how Paul takes no responsibility, though, for, for, the, for the comics he buys. It was in my pull box. They made me buy it. <laughs> I'm a little girl. I'm a little girl. Uh, so I picked this book up, and I picked up the first issue, and the first issue was very creepy. I was intrigued to see where it was going. So I'm, you know, my comic shop guy, he's ringing in, you know, Superman 703, Alan Moore's Neonomicon, and then he holds it up to me and he's like, "You're fucked up for buying this book." I was like, "What?" I was like, "It could be worse. It could be cursed." He's like, "No, this is worse than cursed or crossed. I'm sorry, crossed." I was like, worse than crossed. And uh, for those who have read crossed, you know, to outcrossed crossed is uh, pretty significant. It's like you're smoking and don't think I could get more disturbed than crossed. <laughs> That's because you haven't read Alan Moore's Neonomicon number two. Um, so forgive me for those listening to the show, because it's about to get pretty explicit here. Um, so, you know, this is about. FBI uh, investigators, you know, looking into this underworld of people who are, you know, followers of Cthulhu and Lovecraft, and maybe Lovecraft was writing about real shit all along. Blah 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 blah. You know, um, you know, and for those who have read Lovecraft, you know, the stories aren't very sexual in nature, like at all. But Alan Moore likes to inject sex in everything, so. Apparently, this underworld is very sexual and has orgies and things like that. And so these two FBI agents, you know, go undercover into this like bathhouse type orgy thing um, where you get explicit pornographic sex between men and women and, you know, any variation there in between. And then the FBI agents are found out. At which point you get sexual violence and rape explicitly before a giant Cthulian monster comes out and gets his dick sucked, comes all over someone's face, and the book's over. <laughs> I see. Seriously. You just sold I, I was me on follow, it, Paul. I was following you to a certain point, and then after that I'm sitting here, did I just hear him right? Yes, you see in explicit detail a monster penis coming all over someone's face, and uh, then the book's over. Paul, you just made baby Jesus cry somewhere. (laughs) Sweet baby Jesus. This was the most disturbing book I have ever read. I mean, and the – you know, I'm not a big fan of – you know, I mean, yeah, you can draw boobies in comics, but, you know, you have this explicit rape scene in this book. I mean, very explicit, very horrifying. This book is just extremely disturbing. You know, I, I would venture to say Lovecraft would not be happy about uh, his work inspiring a, a book of this nature. It's just, it's disgusting. It really was. I, I really was very disturbed reading this book. And so uh, you're looking forward to issue three? Absolutely. I'll be right there first in line. <laughs> Let's say you should you should send your first two issues to the associate that shall not be named. Then he'll yeah. buy issue three and do the review for you. But you know what the sad thing is? Up until those last 
eight pages of this book, I was intrigued by the storyline. It sounded, you know, it, it's it's very creepy. There's a lot of mystery behind it. Apparently, there's a lot of hidden messages in the art and all that. And then you get to this graphic sex scene, and it just really took me out of it. You know, I'm I'm wondering. It's like, why couldn't you know it be something else, like a seance, or you know, they're summoning the creature, or something like that? Why does it have to be an orgy? Why do we have to see, you know? spooge dripping off someone's face you know while they lick the tip of a monster penis why do you need to see that you know because it's alan moore and he likes to stick pornographic sex in peter pan so why not in lovecraft could you uh say spooge and lick the tip of a monster's penis just a little slower (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know it's And I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. You you, you guys know I am prone to exaggeration. This is not an exaggeration. Everything is shown in explicit detail. Um, It's just just horrifying to read. And maybe that's the point. I mean, you know, rape is not supposed to be something you read about and go, yeah, that was a great comic. Um, But I cannot in good faith recommend this comic book even to Lovecraft fans, um, you know, because of the way it ended. I, I, I am honestly on the fence on issue three, despite my horrified nature. <laughs> I, I really am because I enjoy the story, and you know. But if I get if I look if I flip through it and I get more of that, and I'm who not... who doesn't like tentacle penis? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it was just horrifying. <laughs> well, what about Lady Mechanica? Yeah, well, you know, I hate to talk about Lady Mechanica in the same conversation as uh, Neonomicon. Because Lady Mechanica was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, from Aspen Comics, uh, it's written and drawn by Joe Benitez, who has you know done some uh, work on Soulfire and Justice League and stuff like that. Great artist. This book is gorgeous. It's a zero issue. It's two fifty, um, and it's a steampunk adventure. It's like a steampunk Tomb Raider. Um, it, you know, and she's kind of like. I think she's like half robot and she has no memory of her previous self and she's an adventurer. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and a two fifty. I mean, you know, the cheapest book on the racks, really, you really should pick it up. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really recommend lady Mechanica. That one I can recommend. (sighs) (laughs) Are you spent now? I am because I had to look through Neonomicon while I was talking about it. And now I'm going to just go shake in the corner and cut myself. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, Paul, don't my question is, Paul, don't you want to talk about the other book you slid in there? That dog eared half half ripped open uh issue of Scourge One that he just slid in there? <laughs> no. Luckily he has not slid that in my uh poll list yet. He has not oh. sexually violated me with the Scourge number one. <laughs> Alright, we'll have to wait on that. Tune um, in next week. Yeah. Well, hopefully there was no monster penis in the last Phantom number two. There was not. You know, one thing, uh, Paul, you and I had talked about our concern that this might be the new costume for the Phantom and how we dislike that. There's a solicit for the last Phantom number five that was in Green Hornet, and it shows him actually in the regular costume walking out of the cave. So this is just for the first storyline, and then they're going to get back to a more normal-looking costume that's not just blood and, you know, loincloth. (laughs) Blood and loincloth. And really, all it—that's all it is right now. It's yeah, like I just like the costume, but 
I'm loving the story. He's just getting angrier and angrier, which I guess makes sense after your whole family slaughtered. But I mean, he's we're seeing him actually like I like to see the Phantom. The guy is human. The guy is angry, but the guy is as well trained as you know, as Punisher in some of the Punisher stories. I mean, this issue you see him taking on a whole troop of people in some sort of uh, high tech invisible costume. And he's able to hear them and smell them and kind of move around and fight them without ever being able to see them. You get to see a little bit of his childhood and how he was trained. And this is the best Phantom story I've read in a long time, even if he's not in the costume right now. And even if it, you know, what he is wearing looks pretty dumb. So that's a recommendation for you. (laughs) I'm enjoying the story, even though he looks dumb. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the regular costume by issue five, it looks like. So, True. You, know, you can get past the first few issues worth of Blood and Loincloth. This is probably my book of the week this week. It's a, it's really a tie-up between this and that Justice League Generation Lost. I mean, both of them were incredible books, and I'm looking forward to seeing what where they go from here on both. And I'm trying to keep from going into any spoilers since I know you haven't read your copy yet, Paul. No, I haven't. But uh, clearly, my book of the week was Neonomicon number two. <laughs> and Discourage number one. <laughs> uh, but some good releases on tap for next week, um, if you like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we know by now that you do, Paul. Yeah. No, uh, a Carnage number one comes out next week, uh, you know, which brings Carnage back to the Marvel Universe. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, Darkwing Duck number five, Wayne. Nice. I'm hoping for a small week next week because this week was ridiculously huge. How, how can you? I don't understand how you put Carnage and Darkwing Duck in the same sentence. Or Paul, that was kind of a little <laughs> creepy. Yeah, I'm sure my comic poli- I'm sure my comic guy is confused too. Yeah, <laughs> you're sick. Let's just throw a ball in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's throw a, throw a couple of copies of Neonomicon number two in there for to even it out. Uh, but Batman Beyond the, number five. I am not picking it up. Is anyone kicking picking up Kick Ass two? Number one, Mark Miller's blatant attempt to get a sequel to his movie. You know, I'll flip through it and I'll decide because I did enjoy the first one quite a bit. If I have to go to the bathroom and it's sitting there, it might go for a walk with me. I need something to wipe my ass with. <laughs> uh, Hulk number twenty six, the second issue of the Red Hulk uh, saga or storyline by Jeff Parker. A couple of more Bruce Wayne Road Home books. The Marvel book I'm picking up next week. Picking it over, I, I don't think there's any Marvel here. I can't think the last time that happened. You're not picking up Thor First Thunder? I, I decided that First Thunder wasn't something I was interested in. Skipping Loki number one? I am. Aaron's First Thunder was his last Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> You're not picking up Shadowland Power Man number three? Not picking up Shadowland? Step off, pal. Step off. <laughs> you know, I'm with you here, and I'm looking at the list, and I don't have anything Marvel either. And on DC, I've only got Green Lantern Corps, and I think that's it. Yeah, next week is a, it's kind of a sad week for comics, so expect that's, a lot of banter next week. That's I, cool. I'm happy about it after this week. There were just too many books. Legion of Superheroes comes out next week, so I've got two DC books. And that's great, because I blew 50 bucks at the comic book store this week, so... Uh, I'm I'm excited to have a light week. We'll, we'll see if we'll I'm probably... brave enough to drop Batman Beyond and not do the last two issues. <laughs> I 
there's just something <clears throat> that a personality flaw that I I've done four issues of it. I want to finish it so I'm not missing an issue. Yeah, that is a flaw. Because I dropped <laughs> it like a rock. Um, the final pilot season book comes out from Top Cow, so I can finally talk about all of those. Morning Glory is number three. I still highly recommend it and think everyone should be buying and reading this book because it's amazing. And there's a trade coming out next week that I might be that I might pick up. Victorian Undead, which is Sherlock Holmes versus zombies. That sounds good. Yeah. Who's re- who's releasing that? Wildstorm. Huh. The series already came out. It's a trade. I actually okay. picked up the first issue and I and I thought it was pretty decent. I just you know I didn't end up continuing through with it. I figured I'd wait for the trade. And next week is that trade. Excellent. Is anyone still reading Haunt? Because I dropped it after the last issue or so. I dropped it. I think I might pick up the trade whenever the hell it comes out. But uh, I dropped it as a monthly. And it's only on issue 10. It seems like it should be further than that by now. I don't see a damn book I'm buying. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad. You're going to have a lot to contribute next week, Tim. You're not going to pick up any of the Bruce Wayne? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Fabian Nache is the only other one he's writing is the Ra's al Ghul one, right? And that doesn't come out this week, I don't think. No, that's next week. Well, you know what? You should read the Top Cow Pilot season books then. There we go. You should find the first two issues of Morning Glories and buy issue three. Yeah, Mm. one doesn't cost money, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) All about not money. Yeah, which company sends us preview copies? That is true. (laughs) I don't know. I'll figure out something to do. <laughs> I'll figure out something. I'll play some video games and talk about that. That's right. I'll, you know, that's the I'll funny talk thing about is... magic cards. How would you like that? Oh snap! <laughs> Paul has all the pressure from his uh, his comic guy and the putting things back that were in the pool. And Tim's just going to have to go out and pick something so he has something to talk to us about. Otherwise, he'll feel guilty. No, I don't think I, I'll feel guilty. I was about to say I don't think he'll feel guilty per se. <laughs> In fact, I don't think he'll feel anything. He is an emotionless bastard. Yes. The only emotion he feels is anger. Is sarcasm an emotion? Close enough. <laughs> I got two. <laughs> I'm a trick pony. Coming out in the coming week that I'm very excited about is, uh, and it's not actually comic book related, but it is the zombie expansion to Red Dead Redemption. Well, there's a lot of video games coming out. The Force Unleashed 2 comes out. Yeah. So... Yeah, the the Undead Nightmare for Red Dead Redemption has got me very excited. I've been really enjoying playing that. I'm looking forward to uh, Fallout New Vegas. Oh, you know, that does look good. I've actually seen uh, billboards for it around town. Oh, wow. Which cracks me up. You know, and movie-wise, Red just came out. I had some advanced tickets to it last week, and Red was absolutely incredible. I had no idea it was a comic property until I sat down in the theater, and they pop up that DC logo. You know who told me it was a comic property? My wife. <laughs> she goes, did you ever read the Red comic? I'm like, it, it's not coming out yet. You know, <laughs> you know back when the tie-ins were in. She goes, no, 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 it was, it's a graphic novel. I'm like, no, no, those books haven't come out yet. <laughs> Here, it's on the solicits. And she's like having to convince me. I'm like, oh, huh, schooled. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I – uh, if there's anybody listening, I, I am frequently on Red Dead Redemption. Uh, if you want to Xbox Live me, I'm IOM Aaron. Because uh, Paul never plays. Whatever. You bought it yeah. for me, and then you left town. 
You know, I left town like three weeks after I bought it for you, chump. Whatever. Yeah, Look, everybody saying. on this podcast is like that. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a PS3, but I'm an antisocial prick that just doesn't like playing console games with other people. So, so whatever. I, I like to... I, I like playing with people I know. I don't want to just step out into the world and let any dickhead come and kill me. <laughs> uh, you, know. you like to let the dickheads you know kill you. Yeah, only the dickheads I know. So uh, an extended episode of uh, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and Tim and Wayne this week. With a whole lot of random rambling at the end. Hey, Paul, yeah. which uh, which interview are we d- dropping this week on Wednesday? This coming Wednesday. The one with the guy who wrote the thing. <laughs> <laughs> was like, he part was a, of the creative team? He was part of the creative team. <laughs> um, I think we are going to drop the episode featuring uh, our interview with Dusty Higgins and Van Jensen, the creators of Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. Woo! And then on Friday, you'll get issue uh, issue two <laughs> of uh, our sandbox uh, role playing uh, recording of Knights of Rainsboro. Uh, if, you if you haven't have... listened to it, listen to it now. Yeah, God right damn now. it! Right now. So, uh, anyway, all right, well, what's coming up on the feed this week? We're all excited about it. (laughs) Woo! Party time. (laughs) Well, thanks a bunch, guys. All right, you have to go drink. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.